Blog Talk Radio. Right into this world, all alone. Gotta take your soul, you're on your own. A crow flies straight, a perfect line. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, or afternoon, wherever you're at. Good evening, afternoon, morning. It's great to be alive. Great to be on a live show of Way In Sports Talk. I'm your host, Brian Tarvin. So glad that that college basketball is finally over. We get to talk about that. Baseball has begun, and the NBA playoffs are going to heat up. We're going to talk college football tonight. We're going to talk some NFL. We're just going to have some fun tonight. If you'd like to call in, 646-716-5564. I'm sure Jonathan will be with us tonight, co-hosting the program. But looking at our numbers this year through March 31st, uh, our numbers are up a little over 140% for the year so far compared to last year through March. And our numbers have been good for the last, I'd say four years, our numbers have been growing every year, but, but now the growth, I, I had to double-check the math and, and make sure I wasn't I wasn't wrong. But thank you, everyone out there that listens to the show live, that listens to podcasts, however you want to listen to it. We just want to thank you for, for continuing to support the show. I always said I would do it no matter how many listeners we had because I really enjoy it. But uh, it does make it even sweeter when you – See a lot, a large number of people, you know, listening to the show. But I would like to see them. I know it's a tough time of year, spring break going on, kids getting out of school, no football on. But there's always college football to be talked on in sports talk. If you want to talk about Oregon, I don't care. Jason Humphrey, anytime you want it, you got it. You know, any team you want to talk about, any sport, I do not like NASCAR. I'm sorry. I don't. We don't talk much hockey, but we will golf here and there when the Masters is on, like it is. But we're we're really a, a football show. That's that's really what we like year round. And if you ever get you ever start getting withdrawals, you need the college football. You need your NFL football. We're the show for you. And right now, I have an eight pound Yorkie in my lap. So if you hear him, you know I'm babysitting him right now for a few minutes. But anyway, the numbers have grown a lot, and it's it's humbling, and it it just makes me excited to just imagine what what the next few years could be like. If you go to ultimatesportstalk.com as well, you'll be able to listen to our program, ultimatesportstalk.com. It's a great place for sports talk radio. There's other podcasts, live shows besides my own, but it's, it's a good place. We are partnered up with them right now. And you can listen to our show live every night we do it. You can listen in the archives. Any episode we've ever done, you can take a peek at it right now and listen to it. So see how see how we've grown from the first episode to now. It's uh, it's a good experience. I recommend if, if you like radio, if you like to do it. You know, I'm not a professional. Trust me, as you can as you can tell. But I really enjoy doing it and look forward to to something that takes my mind away from all the other distractions and tonight at 7 p.m eastern the golden state warriors will be traveling to san antonio to see if they can um, beat the san antonio spurs and break that record of the bulls if they if they win tonight and then they win in or they're at home against Memphis, i think they end their season if they can win those last two games they will break the record if they lose tonight and win Wednesday night, they're going to tie the record. But I have a strong feeling tonight San Antonio is going to blow them off the court. A tough, tough four-quarter game last night on the road at Memphis, Golden State. Now they're having to get on a plane and come to San Antonio and play them on the road. I just I know Curry didn't play a lot last night, but I just don't know. And people think I'm crazy when when I'm, I'm the one that believes that Golden State will not win the NBA Finals. I just want to make sure, if you're out there, you want to call in 646-716-5564. I want to make sure it sounds good. 
Jason, just let me know how it sounds and everything. I know you got disconnected and came back. Can you hear me? If you can hear me, press number one and then press it again. Always like a test. Okay, I always like to see a test to make sure I can be heard. I don't know where Jonathan is, but hopefully he can be with us shortly. Um, co-hosting the show is fun and all. I know, I know he likes to do it. The hosting one without a partner is pretty tough as well. So hopefully he'll be with us in a few minutes. But we're going to talk some NBA, and we're going to talk satellite camps tonight in college football. And some well, people's strong opinions on that. I know there's a lot of opinions, differing opinions at that, but I knew it was coming. I had a feeling it was. I mean, if when you're the only conference that does it and promotes it, it's getting shut down. I'm sorry. And we're going to discuss the Auburn spring game that happened yesterday, and, and you'll, you'll hear the honest, the honest answer of what I feel like Auburn looks like. Are they in trouble? You're going to find out. Do they need another quarterback to come in? And there's a, a quarterback that's about to visit them, David Webb, Texas Tech graduate transfer. The kid has is, is got a gun on him. He can throw the football. And the sign, if, if a kid is willing to do that right now, to transfer to Auburn after their spring game, what does that tell you? What does that tell you when <laughs> a quarterback's about to make a visit to your school? And after after what I saw yesterday at the Auburn spring game, um, I looked at defense. I like that. I really can see improvement on defense, not only, you know, being in position, but also the depth I've noticed is getting a lot better for Auburn. Defense, not my worries right now. The linebackers could be better and they will get better. But what concerns me, Jonathan, is the quarterback play Jeremy Johnson coming into his fourth spring looked like garbage. Um, just to say it, I mean, just to be honest with you, he looked like trash. Sean White looked a little more comfortable than he did last year, but again, Sean White is not the quarterback that can win the SEC. They can't beat Clemson coming up in September. So John Franklin III, I like some things. How will he do with a deep ball? He threw a 40-yard pass into the wind for a touchdown. It was kind of like a fluke <laughs> play. But how good will he be from now? Will he get from now until September, Jonathan? And also the what I just mentioned about the quarterback transferring from Texas Tech, a graduate transfer. What that tells me is this guy thinks he can come in and win this quarterback battle, and I think Gus Malzahn's been on the phone with him. What do you think? I'm, I'm, I'm not very excited after what I saw yesterday. Uh, well, I think you have to be more excited than uh, Gainesville after what happened uh, there. But, um, yeah, I understand why there's a little bit of frustration for you all. Uh, you're right. Jeremy Johnson looked – he looked very rough. Uh, I don't know if his confidence is completely shattered or what it is, but he, he just can't play ball no more. Uh, Sean Wiley, you said he looked good. He looked great. Um, you know, at the same time, it's a spring game. Uh, yeah, I think John looked good. I think Franklin did look good uh, for, you know, really being. I mean, he just got to Auburn not too long ago. Uh, but I am interested to see with that graduate transfer kid how that progresses because, you know, you're right. The only reason he would transfer in is if he thinks he can come in and win the job right away. And tell me more about this kid. I mean, he uh, – I know he's from Texas Tech, and here's his career stats. I mean, he's a good quarterback. Don't get me wrong. I mean – I've watched him play, but he's he's thrown in his career for 5,557 yards and 46 touchdowns. Not too bad. It, I mean, um, and again, that's Texas Tech. But 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 what I see happening is this guy comes to Auburn, right? He transfers in. He's going to maybe be the starter in September. Somebody that can get the ball out real quick to these receivers can hand the ball off. Mm-hmm if Franklin's not ready to take over, which I think Franklin will be. I think Franklin's number one coming out of yesterday's battle. I don't know what you think, but I think it's a two-horse race between Davis Webb and Franklin the third, and I think they both, both may get some playing time to help because this Auburn defense looks a lot better, and if it, it produces a lot better on the field, Auburn could win a lot of games this year, but they're going to have to have a quarterback. And right now, 
I see one. That's all I see. Uh, what? Yeah, I mean, I watched Davis at uh, at Texas Tech quite often. I thought he was very talented. Uh, just part of the quarterback crunch that happened at Texas Tech. I mean, Baker Mayfield came out of that mess as well. So, you know, it's Cliff Kingsbury. Everybody loved him for a minute. And now they're doing the whole, whoa, whoa wait a minute. How are we loop? But anyways, um, you know, Davis, it's not a lock. He's going to go to Auburn. I know he was verbally committed to Colorado, which I always find it interesting when a graduate transfers verbally committing. Uh, but I know he had verbally mm-hmm. committed to Colorado. I know he's interested in Cal. Because he knows, really, you know, his idea right now is wherever he goes, he wants to start. Now, obviously, he'd like to go to Auburn because it's an SEC school, and if he does a great job at Auburn, he gets looked at for an NFL, whereas with Colorado and Cal, people are going, yeah, you did good, but you're in the back. I mean, look where you're at. You're in the Pac-12. You're at lower-tier school. You have to throw the ball 40, 50 times a game. Whereas Auburn, if he does a great job of passing, um, people are going to look at him and go, wow, this kid's a quarterback. You know, kind of like uh, Cam Newton. Yeah, and and this is a guy that can sling the ball. You don't go to Texas Tech unless you can play quarterback, and that's where the SEC has struggled over the years is getting these type of quarterbacks in. And if I'm not mistaken, I believe he can run the ball a little bit too, and and that's the key. Yeah. Guess Malzahn doesn't want to pocket pass. Sean White, I think he's going to transfer, and I've said that. Jeremy Johnson is going to graduate at Auburn. And he's gonna go, yeah. He's gonna get his graduate degree somewhere and play somewhere else. He's not gonna be playing at Auburn anymore. So it's gonna be a Franklin, this guy, and then you have the Woody Barrett kid coming in as a true freshman. He'll be here in the fall. I think Auburn's gonna be settled at quarterback. I mean, could you imagine Franklin the third not starting against Clemson? Or I just, I just can't imagine it after what I saw. But but White looked okay. I'm not saying he looked bad. At the fumble, you know, early in the game on a drive. Auburn was one for 22 on third down yesterday. And, again, this wasn't live, but one for 22 is not going to cut it. I mean, you've got to have somebody come out there and be able to, to move the chains. And that's what helps Gus Malzahn go with that offense, just fast pace, getting first downs. And one for 22 is not going to cut it, Jonathan. Yeah, no, not at all. One for 22 is atrocious. Uh yeah, I don't care how good your defense is, that's that's really bad. Um, so I mean they're gonna figure something out there. Obviously, like you know, we were so we've been talking about Sean White's not a Malzahn quarterback, which makes you wonder why he even showed up. I know he was supposed to have the athleticism, but you know, obviously the kid, you know, he's not a he's not a runner. That's not his gimmick. So, you know, they're gonna have to figure out something with him. Um no, I'm with you, man. I think Franklin should be starting. Um, you know, I, I think he showed enough to run that system uh, yesterday. And, you know, from what I've seen and heard from Florida State, you know, he apparently is the kind of quarterback you want for Auburn. So I think it would behoove um, now on to start him knowing that Clemson doesn't have film on him. That's going to be the best thing about it. Clemson will have film on Johnson and White. They won't have film on Franklin. That's where they'll be able to catch Clemson off guard off the bat. That's a good point. That's a, that's a real, they're going to have to go to some JUCO games and things, which is not the same offense, really, and not the same kind of personnel. But uh, I think it's a. I think this kid will choose Auburn, this Davis Webb kid. I think he has a shot to to win the job if he can run. I'm going to have to look more on that. But here's the deal. Do you think Gus Malzahn, if the guy would have called him, do you think Gus Malzahn would have told him, hey, we got our quarterback. You're not going to be able to come in and win. I already have an idea. This guy wouldn't be announcing it today that he was coming to Auburn unless he talked to Malzahn personally and he said, look, I think you can win the job. We need your help. Malzahn needs his job, and he needs a quarterback. He's got all the pieces around him, Jonathan. He's got a kicker. They kicked like six field goals yesterday. Three of them were 50 plus yards. One from 56 in the wind, in a windy day. On a windy day, he kicked six field goals. I mean, you've got everything you need except that quarterback. And I mean, getting a, a transfer from Texas Tech as a senior like this, that's a graduate transfer. That's not a kid coming out of high school. 
not a kid that's got his confidence really rattled, I don't think, looking for a chance to prove himself. Yeah, I'm, I'm, my arms are wide open, man. I'm like, come on in, kid. Come on in, Davis Webb. I need to see something because yesterday kind of got me a little sad. Except the defense looked better again. The defense didn't look better. Yeah, offense, I mean, it, when you well, when you're at Auburn, and let's face it, when you have that kind of offense, you almost assume offensively you're going to get there uh, at some point or another. It, it's all about can the defense hold up, and if you have uh, high expectations and high hopes for what you've seen from the defense, I think that shows a positive sign for your team in general. And, and you know, and obviously that's with most teams, but with somebody like Alabama. You know, every once in a while, they get a little worried about their offense. Um, you know, whereas Auburn, you, you usually don't have to worry about it. It's going to come. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. And one thing, the offensive line yesterday, I need to go back and double-check some things, but the offensive line did, did very good when they were running the football, but when they were passing situations. But, again, you got you're trying to – you're trying to block Adams, Loss, and these guys coming in that are just pimp slapping you around. But one thing that it's hard to get a good grasp on in, in this spring game is you have your ones versus twos, and it's just it just gives you. Sometimes you can't really tell what's going on when you do that because I like to see ones versus ones, two versus twos. That way you can kind of see what you got. Um, maybe Malzahn didn't want to see what you, whatever what he didn't want everybody to know what he had, so he kind of played it close to the vest. But but the the fact is this quarterback's announcing he's going to visit is a a big deal. It should speak. If people would just sometimes open their eyes, these Auburn fans, and it, they're still telling me that Jeremy Johnson is going to be the starter. Jeremy Johnson is not going to be the starter, idiot. I just want to tell people that it's just so they'll know that I said it. He's not going to be the starter. If he is the starter, I'm going to – I don't know. I may go be a – Notre Dame fans of the year, like Quinn or something. I don't know. But Jeremy Johnson's not the starter of Auburn this year. There's no way, but well, I don't want to ramble on about this all night. But, Jonathan, don't you think sometimes if you just stop and take a breath and look around, you can see what's going on, the fact that this kid's talking about Auburn right now. should say something about how Malvon feels about his quarterback situation right now. He can't fully trust Franklin III yet because he doesn't know enough about him. That doesn't mean that he won't be the quarterback, but I think Gus Malvon realizes the other two quarterbacks that are in there, they're not that good. Well, you know, my, the, you know the, the school that I root here for, Florida State, we just went through a, a situation like this where after a Jameis declared for the draft, uh, we were in kind of a bond as far as quarterback goes, and we did go the, the transfer route uh, with uh, Everett Golson. You know, that didn't, that didn't pan out as well as I think everybody had hoped, especially Everett, uh, Everett himself as he wound up losing his job. But I, I think whenever you see an, a situation like this, and we saw it with Florida State last year, um, you know, it's the whole I don't necessarily have a lot of faith in what we have going on, and every option's a good option. And it's better to have as many options as possible and, and track out the best ones that we can do. That's what the team did with Everett last year. So, you know, I, I think also it's a way for a, a coach of saying, look, I really like the kid I have coming in. I really like this young guy. I want to give him a year because another part of why um, Jimbo was so receptive to Everett was because he wanted to make sure he didn't play DeAndre. He wanted to give DeAndre a redshirt year. And now DeAndre, you know, obviously it looks like he's going to take the reins of this quarterback job for us. And we felt, you know, Jimbo felt that redshirt year was instrumental in helping him grow, develop, and learn. Yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's what Auburn has plans for, for Woody Barrett as well is, Bring him in as a freshman. He's truly got a red shirt. And but here's the deal: you go from Golson, you go to Golson. It's hard. I mean, Jonas Winston never lost a regular season game in his career, did he? The only game he ever lost was to Oregon. Was Oregon? Yeah. Yeah, that was it. He lost one game in two yeah. years of football, which is saying a lot. So no matter who you go to, <laughs> I mean. And still, you had a good year compared to most teams. I mean, that's like, what y'all go ten and two, nine and three, something like that. Uh, uh, ten and two, I believe. Ten and three, lost to Houston in the bowl game. Ten and three. 
Yeah, ten and three is a great year for most programs. Well, it's not for Florida State when they when they haven't lost a regular season game before going into that for two years. So I don't want to hear your whining. Your team's loaded every year, and it they just had that one year. It's just like Cam Newton when he left. It's like okay, the next guy in line. That's, well, he didn't pan out. Well, guess what? We didn't do as well, but. Update, the Braves are now 0-5 this year. Congratulations, Braves. You sucked worse than I thought you you were going to. <laughs> Just to throw that out there before we get into baseball. I mean, 0-5. I mean, your, your season's over before it starts. I mean, you're done. Uh, well, yes and no, because, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I have, you know, living in this area, I have watched the Rays start a season 0-7 and, and somehow come back and make the playoffs. So, season's not dead, uh, but, I mean, it, realistically for the Braves, they, they weren't in the running this year for a playoff run anyways. This was a rebuilding year. Um, you know, give, give them time. They're, they're, they're really building something special, especially with the pitching staff. Uh, you know, it's, it's just today was obviously a tough loss when, you know, you score as many runs as you do, you expect to win, and, the, and the, what, what pitchers you had out there today did let you down. Uh, that's never a, a, a good feeling. And here's the deal. Washington or the Mets, they're going to win that division. You have to deal with Cincinnati, Chicago, and the Central, Pittsburgh. Those are three teams. And then you have the Dodgers and the uh, Giants out west. I mean, you're not going to make even a wild card. There's too many good teams out of the National League this year. So it's just second in Braves. Just, just do, play, play the youngest players you can. Take your bump now and, and come back and fight another day. But this is not going to be the year of the Atlanta Braves. And it sucks because, you know, at least win some early to give some fans some hope to come out. Now these guys won't even come out. But but one thing I can, I like to go to baseball games regardless. So maybe I can get that $2 seat or something. I can be sitting in the Hank Aaron section for like 10 bucks if they keep playing like this. So, but keep losing, Braves. It'll make my experience a lot better when I go will actually watch the other team play against you. Yeah, no, that's definitely, you know, when, uh, when, when, you know, obviously when I was growing up, we had that with the Rays. But when you went to Rays games, you were almost going to see who they were playing. Uh, you know, I remember one of the um, first games I went to that was uh, actually had a real big crowd for it was when the Giants came in town uh, with Barry Bonds. So, you know, obviously that's that's something you're gonna you're gonna see and just probably a couple games you're gonna go to like that where, you know, if I if I don't blame you, you know, go to go watch them play the Nationals, go see Bryce Harper play. You know, guys like that. Go go watch the Cubs play. That yeah. team's loaded. And I'm gonna be getting I'm gonna be getting third base dugout seats right there. I'll be getting autographs of all the other teams. So Sorry, Braves, but, but I appreciate you sucking. At least keep losing so I can get some cheaper seats. But, uh, Jonathan, the listeners, you didn't, you weren't here when I was talking about it. The listeners have gone up through this March compared to last March over 140%. So that's saying a lot considering our numbers are rock solid and climbing. In 2015, want to throw that out there. And if you want to call in, 646-716-5564, I'd like to talk to people live sometimes. I know it's spring break. People are doing this and that. But, hey, we're talking football, man. Okay, we're talking all the good <laughs> stuff. But before we get into the big topic of the night, Jonathan, I think Memphis got screwed last night against Golden State. I think Memphis won that game last night, and that official blew that call. I don't know if you watched it. It's either the game. Uh, but over the back foul, they didn't call. And then the Golden State goes down and hits the three to go up, and they never trail again. I don't know if you watched it, but what do you think? Golden State tonight against San Antonio. I like San Antonio big in this game. Uh, yeah, I did not see the Golden State Memphis game last night. I was actually at the uh, na- the Division One uh, National Championship uh, hockey game. Uh, between North Dakota and Quinnipiac, which was um, it, it was amazing. The North Dakota fan base is electric, and you know after they changed their name from the Fighting Sioux to the Fighting uh, Hawks to uh, appease the NCAA, and still it's Sioux Forever chance. It, it was wonderful. I recommend if you ever get a chance to you know even if you don't like hockey, just to be there to witness the atmosphere in the crowd. 
North Dakota's got a great fan base. But I did hear about the Golden State game, uh, and I heard that, you know, how everything transpired. And I, I'm, I, you you got to be – if you're the Golden State fan, you have to be uncomfortable right now with how they're playing. Uh, you know, they're they're having a – they're struggling a little bit right now. They're kind of scraping by. Um, you know, I think tonight's game against San Antonio. From what I heard, San Antonio is not going to miss anybody but Boris Diaw, and Diaw is, uh, is injured. So, San Antonio is going to be going for it tonight. This ought to be a really good game. Uh, you know, San Antonio is trying to stop them from breaking the record. And San Antonio is also trying yeah. to set a record because they're trying to go undefeated at home, which nobody has done. So, this ought to be a fantastic game. I can see San Antonio winning this game, uh, especially considering Golden State struggles recently. Yeah, and, and if you're San Antonio, you don't want to – I don't want to see the Bulls record go down because – I believe that Bulls team would kick the crap out of Golden State. I'm sorry. I just I think they would physically manhandle them. But but as last night shows you about Golden State, and the games they lose, again they should have lost last night. The games they struggle at the three point line, and they if they're you know they they shoot a lot of them, Jonathan, and that's why they win a lot of games because they make a lot of them. And it's just hard to beat a team that's hitting threes. But last night they were struggling. Curry didn't play a lot. He was he was resting for a lot of it, but again, at the end when they needed him, he was out there. Um, it's just a team that lives and dies by the three pointer. I just can't put much trust into them. When I look at San Antonio, <clears throat> that's a team that can have their stars struggle and still win. They don't have to hit a three every time to win. They just know how to play. And I think when the playoffs come this year, I think people are going to be surprised. You know, Dustin keeps coming back. Dustin Porterfield telling me I'm crazy thinking San Antonio is going to win it all this year, but I just have a strong feeling that Golden State's in over their head this year. And I think they're getting too much love from ESPN and all the others, and I think they're setting them up to fail right now. San Antonio had a great season, Jonathan, and nobody's even mentioning it. Yeah, I mean, San Antonio is going to go down with one of the top five records ever in the regular season, and they're completely overshadowed by a team who's looking at possibly setting the mark or at least, you know, tying it, finishing second. I mean, it's it's really something else. The San Antonio, and another amazing year, uh, you know, the, the Popovich system, it, it just keeps on going, man. I mean, it, it won't die. It's kind of like the Patriots. Um, so, you know, I, I honestly, I, I'm with you. I think San Antonio can't take Golden State down. Uh, that just means that they're going to have to steal one at the O. And as we've seen, both these teams are very good in their own buildings. Uh, so, you know, I, the whole live and die by the three thing, you know, that's kind of the reason why a lot of people were leaning Villanova for the national title because Villanova had always lived and died by the three. And, you know, Golden State won the championship, you know, just past June and, by living and dying by the three. So I, I honestly, I, I think maybe the game's changing a little bit. It's going to be great to see it tonight. I think tonight is going, you know, it's another playoff game. You know, the the problem with Golden State is, let's face it, ever since, let's say, they were 20-0, and 0, they've been playing nothing but playoff games. And I, sooner or later, that's got to take a, a physical, emotional toll on them. So I'm interested to see, you know, what happens in the first round of playoffs at this point um, because, you know, it, it's one of those things where you just wonder, are they going to be able to keep sustaining this? Or are they eventually just going to get worn and beaten down? So I think the first round they're going to cruise. I think, I think that they're they're under a lot of pressure. I think the first round is going to give them an opportunity to rest a little bit. But I don't, you know, in a seven game series playing who Utah or or Houston or somebody like that, you should be able to beat them without Curry on the court. But I think you can rest them more you know, through that first round. Then it gets serious after that. Then you have to, to really get serious. But I'm going to go with the Spurs to win it all. I think the Eastern Conference is irrelevant right now. I'm going to pull for Boston to win it. Um, so we'll see. But I want to move on real quick to the NFL. Some sad news today, Jonathan. And I want, and I want to discuss this a little bit. Um, St. defensive end Smith shot and killed after car crash. I don't know how much you've read. If you saw my post earlier this morning, um, Will Smith shot to death in New Orleans after a minor car crash. Again, road rage involved in this. What do you think about the guy that hit him? I mean, Smith gets out probably cussing, raising hell. 
this guy shoots him and his wife. And and I'm tired of hearing people say it was self-defense. The guy, no, if it was self-defense, you would have shot him alone, not him and his wife. Um, what do you think about this story? Uh, it's tragic. It really is. Uh, you know, I got um, you know, I got the news came across to my my, my phone around 4 a.m. Um, it, it it was a it was a real sobering moment. It was a shame. Uh, you know, Will Smith obviously was a, 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 a you know a great New Orleans Saint player. Uh, you know, was part of the Super Bowl run. Was phenomenal at Ohio State, and it's a shame to hear about this between you know him and you know his children and and his whole family, the Ohio State Buckeye family. It's 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 a tragedy. Now I think that this is something where somebody obviously thought that you know this, this is a society thing. Um, um, this this is a society thing at the end of the day where. You know, I don't know. This isn't really gun. You know, people are going to try and label this as, well, we need more gun control and this and that. And my, my my thing behind this is it has nothing to do with that. I had some kid, some grown man, 28 years old, thought that he, he, he was tough. And to shoot somebody through the windshield of their car and kill them, that's the, – the whole thing just Probably. bothers me. It, it is, it is, and then you you shoot the guy's wife, and I mean the the whole thing. I, I have a huge issue with it. I think this is more of a um, a societal issue to where somebody played way too much Grand Theft Auto as a kid or whatever it was. I don't care. You watch too you watch too many videos. You listen to too much, you know, of, of whatever. Okay, you know, I, I I don't know what this is. If this is a New Orleans issue, because I mean, obviously New Orleans has had their problems with with violence for a very long time. Uh, you know, and that that really came out a lot after Hurricane Katrina, when uh, you saw a lot of the you know residents moved to Houston, and all of a sudden Houston's crime rate jumped up, and everybody's trying to figure out well where where's the correlation, and and that that that's what you know they they led it to. It, the whole thing just just hits me wrong, and I I want to extend my condolences to Saints fans, Ohio State family, his family, everybody about this. You know, this this is such a tragedy. It happens almost every day, and you know the only you know the only reason this is big headline news is because it's Will Smith. But at the same point in time, the way this happened, I think no matter what, it would have been big big news because this was just a cold blooded, senseless killing. By a punk. A punk thug. I mean, that's just that's all it is. And I'm sure Obama's going to come out tonight. Him and Hillary, you know, holding hands together, coming out talking about gun control. But this is about society. This is where we're at. We got too many, too many tough guys out there riding the roads with guns that are that are not man enough to take a butt kicking. You know, they can't get out of their car and just say. You know, you had some words with a guy, and that's it. Or if he punched in the face, that's it. Nobody lost their life. But this guy wants to kill somebody because he, he maybe said a couple of words at him. He hit him in the back. I'm just tired of, of thugs, man, and people in life that, that run around. They can't take an ass with them, so they have to shoot somebody. And it just, it just makes me very angry. And, again, another lesson out there to other people is when you're in an accident, Maybe keep your cool a little more on the road, if, even if you're not in an accident. Be careful because there's a lot of cowards out there running around with guns now. And they, like like Jonathan said, they've been playing too many video games and they think it's watching too many TV shows. They think it's okay to shoot somebody. But I I can't wait to see this guy in the showers in, a, in San Quentin. What do you think, Jonathan? Well, I mean, and here's the thing. Will Smith was very beloved by a lot of of the Saints fans, and you just you hate to I, I hate to have this conversation, but you you just got him in Saints country. You think you're gonna do okay now? You you think you're gonna come out on top here? I mean, did you think you're gonna get away with it? You know, I, I don't, I don't understand what, what the the thinking was here. You know, that, that's why there, there's, you know, we we have the conversation um, in Florida where if you do get into a a road rage like situation, 
you're you know, you're better off just staying in your car and not just waiting for the cops to show up, that kind of a thing, because you never know what somebody's packing. You never know the mentality of somebody and what they're going to do. It, it, it's just, it, it, it's, it's heartbreaking. You know, every time I hear of an instance where somebody loses their life, you know, just senselessly like this, it, it, it just really pulls at me. Yeah, and it's, it's sad. It's, I mean, it's just a, somebody with a gun. Somebody died. Somebody lost their husband. Somebody lost their father. Somebody lost their son last night over some punk that, that wants to run around shooting people. And, and I mean, I don't want to waste tax dollars, taxpayer dollars on this guy. I mean, let's, let's just, when you do something like this, put him in the street and you beat him to death right there in front of everybody on national TV and then you let him die. I mean, that's what happened. That's what you need to do. Don't let people like this in prison. He's only, what, 28 years old, so for the next 50 years, we're going to be paying taxes to this idiot because he killed somebody. Our taxes are going to go up. Uh, just kill him. What do you think after the trial? Just drag him out in the streets, Jonathan. Well, I, I've always been a fan of, um, you know, something along the lines of an eye for an eye punishment. Um, I've always uh, done, done a, you know, had a had a belief in a, something of a street justice, if you will. Firing squad has always been. I said, if we're going to go to a death penalty, we just need to go back to the firing squad, a lot cheaper. Um, you know, but it, you know, it's it's one of those things where. You know, I, I believe the family member of those of of the victim of the crime should have the the opportunity, you know, the choice here, in, in the matter. It shouldn't be left up to uh, the judicial system how uh, the punishments meted here because he he took a life, and by all rights, his life should be taken away. Now, at the same time, and this is a conversation I have had before, what what is worse, um, dying? Or being stuck in a maximum security prison for 23, you know, 23 and a half hours a day where you have to be in a room by yourself with nothing to do. Um, you know, and that's that's one of those things where it's like, God, I mean, could you imagine how horrible it would be to spend the next 50 years of your life, let's say, in a room by yourself 23 and a half hours a day? No TV, not writing anything, you can't talk it. to nobody, nothing. I couldn't make it. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I just it just it just bothers me. I guess when you get emotional and you see something like this happen, and, and I'm not saying it hit close to home, but it, you know, I've seen other people. I've known other people that life's been taken in vain like that. But it just brings out a different side of me. It brings out the Donald Trump in me, Jonathan. <laughs> oh Lord. Get them out of here. That's what my my motto is. Get them out of here, and that's what I want to say to somebody like that. But you know, I'm mean, I'm not the I'm not God, and and that's one thing we have judicial systems set up for stuff like this. And when we start trying to play God, then that's when we get in trouble. So we sit back and let let God take care of people like that. <clears throat> you know, people have rehabilitated and became preachers and something after something like this, but I don't know why, but we're all, we're all a, a minute away from a, we, we've all kind of making bad decisions before like that. I'm sure you've had situations where, where you've been in a road rage accident or something or on the road, but the difference is, John said, I'm sure you weren't carrying a gun in the car with you. I had to guess, you know, so you may get out and beat the hell out of somebody, but you're not going to shoot them. <laughs> Well, well, there's a, there's you know, a big I, difference. I uh, obviously being in Florida, and if you haven't been here, there are more idiots. You know, you hear more. Oh my God, this happened in Florida stories than anywhere else, and we tend to have more morons, I think, per capita than most states. Um, and, and I really would like to thank New York and Ohio for that. You guys have sent down some of your best and brightest. Um, you know, you, you deal with you have situations like this all the time. It's just best not to deal with it. It, 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 it. You are better off just sitting in your car and trying to cool yourself down than at all. You know, you know, coming close to dealing with the situation whatsoever in a face to face, because especially that late at night. And I think that's that that's a caveat for me. You know, it's something I've been taught. You know, and granted, I was. 
out till 4 a.m. last night. But really, good things tend not to happen when you're out between 1 and 5 a.m. That's that's a a rule that I've I've learned. You're right. I mean, nothing. you're out at that time. If you're home before midnight, which I usually am, you know, my mom always told me that. She's like, fine. Why do you want me home at, at 11, Mom? Or why do you want me home at 12? Well, nothing good happens. And she's right. I think back some of the things I've done stupid in my life. They've all been after midnight. The only times I've ever been in a cop car were after midnight, Jonathan, or anytime, any kind of violent place in my life has always been after midnight. So she was right. So, Mom, if you're listening, you were right about that. And uh, I think a lot of people need to yeah, she, she'll, she'll probably record this episode and play it over and over again and, and listen to it. I said she was right. So. <laughs> but anyway, but 646-716-5564, we'd love to hear from you. And, Jason, I know you're in the studio. If you want to talk, press number one. You want to weigh in on this. We're about to move off of this topic, but, you know, keep your family in your prayers. And if, if I offend you by saying prayers and and hang up, do whatever, I don't care. I don't I don't really care what you think, but keep this family in your prayers. <laughs> Jonathan, you can tell what kind of mood I'm in, can't you? Oh yeah. And that's what I'm at my best, man, you know. That's what I'm at my finest. But big news coming out. Well, what's first let's talk about Monday night. We didn't get to do a show after that. Villanova <laughs> what a shot. The to beat North Carolina. What a game. That was a one of the championship games I've watched. Both teams very well deserving of where they were. Any both teams could have won that game, Jonathan. Villanova it just remember that we we talked about it last Sunday night. They just seemed like a team of destiny. And then mm-hmm. and they and they and they played the tougher road and I think that really helped them in this game. So congratulations to Villanova uh for a national championship. It's about time this coach got one. Uh, yeah, it was great game, uh, great coaching by by Jay Wright. Uh, the the last play, I know they talked. He was talking about it afterwards. Is actually a play they run in practice. And he said the funny thing, and you hear this more often than not, was that they ran that play in practice every day, and it's never worked. And the biggest situation, the biggest moment, the biggest time they ever run it, it works. They're, they're national champions. I mean, it's got to be one of the best finishes you've seen. Now, you know, it's funny. I had a conversation with uh, with a good friend the other day, and we came to the conclusion that your best championship games usually involves Duke, Kentucky, North Carolina losing them. Let's be honest. Uh, so, I mean, the fact that don't know beat North yeah. Carolina, and you know, a lot of the nations behind that, especially with the uh, the investigation hanging over North Carolina's head. And, and, you know, of course, the conspiracy theories are out there that uh, the NCAA was kind of nudging the refs a little to, you know, lead Villanova's way, which I didn't really see any of that during the game. You know, but North Carolina fans are spitting that. You know, and it's one of those things where great game, heck of a shot by Jenkins to win it. It it was really something special. Uh, You know, it's funny because, you know, I have family who are big North Carolina fans. So the only gear I had to wear for the game was North Carolina gear. So I'm wearing I'm wearing a North Carolina hoodie, watching the game, and that shot goes in, and I could just say, "Wow!" And that was my only thought was, "Wow, what a game!" And I was like, "You're not upset? No, I don't care. I'm a Florida State fan. You know, what I mean, this yeah. this was the game I wanted. This was the game we all asked for. You know, it didn't matter who won. This was the game we all wanted to see, and we got what we wanted." Let's bring Jason on real quick and see what Jason thought and what he wants to talk about. Jason, how are you tonight, buddy? I'm doing pretty good. How are you guys? Doing good, uh, doing good. What would you like um, to discuss tonight? Yeah, that, that finish last Monday night, you, you would have to automatically say maybe top two finishes of the tournament history. The only one that you would have put it up against is the North Carolina State win against Houston in mm-hmm. eighty five or eighty six, somewhere around there. So yeah. I wanna ask you I wanna ask you which is bigger, Jason. Which is bigger? I know that they're different stages, but 
the Leitner shot against Kentucky or that shot? Which one is going to be the most impactful? 20 years from now, will they be showing that Villanova shot or are they still going to be showing the Christian Leitner shot? I wouldn't say the Leitner shot because it's Duke. Uh, I think because of it's Villanova, yeah, it's for the title, but Villanova is not that big of a school compared to Duke. And when you're talking about Christian Leitner, you're talking about one of the top five college players of all time. Yeah, I mean, can't argue that. Jonathan, which shot's bigger? I say Leitner. The Leitner play will always be will always be replayed because of you know it it, it was the the whole play was just amazing. Uh, you know the the half court uh, inbounds pass, uh, the talent you had on the uh, you know on the floor and that, I and mean, you had Grant Hill uh, made the pass <laughs> to, to Leitner. You know guys like that. I believe Jamal Mashburn was in that game. You know they they were just stacked rosters. It was a great game. Uh, but uh, honestly, I think through the test of time, this one will will stand up uh, to it. Maybe not at the same level. It'll still be around because this is how national championship games, you know, and it's, it's like Jason mentioned, the Sea Slam and Jam where North Carolina State beat Houston. Um, you know, that, you know, and as far, you know, as far as shots, it's up in that echelon. But I do, I'm with you. I think the later one will continue to hold its weight. And I think one thing that hurts that, like against Leitner, Remember, guys, Villanova was tied with North Carolina, so at worst, they're going into overtime. They could have still won the game. This was Duke was losing that game by a point when he when he hit that shot when Leitner hit the shot. So does that change any of your opinions on that? Does that? Oh no, I mean that, that, and you're right. That that also factors into it. Where you know, if Jenkins misses that three, you go, okay, we got five minutes of overtime. This is great. You know, we're later misses, it's over. So I, I do think that factors into it as well. Yeah, I am a genius, guys. You know that. I think, like I, like I said, I have a um One, he was one of the greatest, and number two, he was really a bad guy. Um, you guys haven't seen the 30 yeah. for 30 on him. I would suggest seeing that. He was just truly a bad guy. I think. I think then everybody hated on somebody. Well, I mean, yeah. And, let's not yeah. forget. Earlier in that game, he stomped on a Kentucky player's chest. Yeah. So I mean, he, you know, in today's game, Laker doesn't even take that shot. Yeah, he's dirty, man, and everybody hated him because he was dirty. He's just a dirty player, but he was good, though. You know, you <laughs> give the devil his dues. The guy knew how to play basketball, and and um, so you can finish with Jason. This is probably top two, you think, of all time, like national championship games. I, I would, I would say two or three. You, you would have to go with that NC State, NC State shot against Houston. Leitner and that Nova shot. You, you could really make an argument for any one of them to be number one. What um, was that year, Danny uh, Manning, Kansas, when they played? What was that? Kansas beat Oklahoma, was it? In the championship? When, when Oklahoma was real good. But, but that wasn't the last second game, was it, Jonathan? That was Danny Manning taking over the tournament, really taking over the game. Yeah, that was more of Dan, yeah, Manning just took over the tournament. I mean, you know, if you want to talk about a game that might rival this, uh, and it's funny because the same team won it, uh, when Villanova beat Georgetown, uh, when yeah. 50 to 48 was at 85 uh, as an eight seed, that might be one of the games, you know, that will rival this as, as one of the best games as far as the championship game go. You know, you're going to have that, that Villanova game, you're going to have this one, and then you're going to have. Uh, North Carolina State, Houston, obviously Texas Western and Kentucky. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, with, with how much that game uh, meant with Western, you know, take away the whole social issue behind it. Western taking down the juggernaut in Kentucky. Kentucky was a juggernaut at that point. 
You know, and when Western yeah. beat them, it was, oh, there's a chink in the armor. You know, uh, when UCLA made their runs, you know, they were good games, but I don't think they fall into that category. So, you know, Villanova, this Villanova-North Carolina game might be one of the top five, top four greatest and, championship games to ever be played. And the Duke over UNLV the year after they lost 103-73. to Duke coming mm-hmm. back with Leitner and Hurley and Hill and all those guys and beating beating UNLV. So uh wanna start that that out there. Jason stay on the line. Jason stay on the line with us a minute. Can you stay on the line to discuss this next next topic with us? Yeah, I was gonna just um say one thing about the Golden State Warriors. This may be obvious, but if this season is back in ninety six I don't think they reached 65 wins. Uh, I think they got no. 270 wins because the NBA sucked compared to what it was 15 years ago. Oh, yeah. So. There's always been a few good teams up top and the rest. Sucked. I mean, the NBA yeah. is like that. But the difference is how tougher it is it was back then. Could you imagine yeah. Seth Curry playing or Seth Curry playing a year Jonathan, where he's got uh, he's got Lane Beer when he's coming down the lane, knocking him into the bleachers. I mean, over a period of time, the the fouls, how much they add up on your body. Do you think Curry would even be healthy right now to play if he was playing back in Jordan play? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, you know, and, and obviously it's one of those things where you look at and go, what, what would Steph's career be different? Um, and you know, it's. It's definitely a, an interesting debate because you have the the camp that goes well. He was he was just a great shoot. You know he's a great shooter, and, and, and you know great. You know if you're great at shooting the ball, you're going to translate to almost any decade. Um, but like you said, at the same time, the physical toll would have taken on. I mean, because Curry's what 160 pounds. He low power, you know, and you know, and he's not that little tough guy like Allen Iverson was, where you know everybody would tell you Allen Iverson could play in any decade. Because he was just tough, hard-nosed player. He didn't, you know, he he could withstand the beating because he gave a beating. Whereas we don't know with Steph if he could. And honestly, Steph might be able to. And I think, you know, part of the knock on Steph Curry, you hate to say it, but it's because he looks, you know, the baby-faced assassin. You know what I mean? That, I mean, that's when that's your nickname. That kind of sets a, a a stereotype, if you will, that he couldn't last. And I I don't I don't know if that's necessarily true, but I think we've seen throughout that anytime somebody gets really physical with him, he does tend to struggle a little. Yeah, I don't I don't think he'd be alive to talk about it right now, honestly, if he was if he was playing back in the day, but that's just me that's just me speculating here. I don't have any proof except, you know, my thoughts. <laughs> but let's let's move into this next topic right here, guys. Uh the satellite camps that the Big Ten were doing Voted down by all major conferences in the country, and I don't know what you think, guys. And Jason, I'll start with you on this. Uh, do you think it's wrong to ban the satellite camps? I'll start. I'll start off with you that way. Um, I I know I've read it something, but I I would have to say I haven't read much on this um, satellite camp issue. Um, I. Yeah, like I said, I haven't read um, much on this to give an input. All right. Well, that's fair enough, my friend. Uh, Thanks for joining us tonight. Stay on there and listen with us. Jonathan, um, well, what what stands out to me is no other conference practices this, but yet all other conferences shut it down. So what do you think about this? Well, I mean, they're, they're, the problem with this whole thing is the the satellite camps, I don't think, were bad. Um, you know, it gave kids in different parts of the country a, a opportunity to essentially get a feel for these schools. Um, you know, and that's something they, you know, unless you were going to the, to the program, unless you were going to the University of Michigan for the summer, um, you didn't have access to. So I, I don't think it. I don't think the the idea was a bad one of, of the satellite camp. I thought it was extremely fair to the uh, to the college recruits uh, who were trying to 
you know, take advantage of every way they can to check out these prospective colleges. Uh, you know, and I know obviously the conference that, you know, my team's in, they, they shot it down. They weren't a fan of it. And it had a lot to do with the fact that, you know, not for nothing, but we didn't want uh, Michigan recruiting in our backyard. Um, and I know that was part, part of the issue well, with these camps. So some of these schools were getting frustrated at, at schools like Michigan uh, being able to recruit in their backyard. They didn't, they didn't like that. So, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not a huge supporter in banning of the satellite camps. Um, I, I don't think there was anything detrimental to them. I think it was um, mainly uh, the conference of the SEC was most vocal against it. I think they were getting frustrated because they felt like it was, uh, you know, schools trying to come to the backyard and still recruits, where, you know, a, a big-time program is going to be able to do that anyways. I mean, we see – you know, Georgia doesn't own their own state. Uh, Florida has to deal, with, obviously, with the in-state ones. But Ohio State comes down here. Michigan's already coming down here. Clemson's been coming into the state. You know, I, I think it, it, it's, I think, I think it's kind of childish that they got it banned. Well, I just think it's. I mean, the reason I would ban it is because the other ones aren't doing it. Nobody, Stephen's not going to go up to Ann Arbor and put a a cap on there. There's no need to, but well, I think this all opens up and when I was thinking about it, Harbaugh's here, he hosts camp, players come from all over, not only players, but you have parents, you have coaches of high school kids, and all of these people can be influenced. And yes, you can do that on the recruiting trail. You can go, you know, buy a player off or his parents, but this gives you an opportunity kind of like bring the players to me and all of a sudden, 200 guys are there, and out of those 200, there's five there you really like. They're willing to give them some financial benefits uh, to stay loyal to you or come to Michigan or talk to some other friends they may have. I just think it's kind of a networking thing they're doing. and I, I, I'm glad it shut down, Jonathan. I think they were going to get a competitive edge on something where other people wouldn't be able to do that because Gus Alvarez, I mean, if, if he goes up to Michigan, is that going to help him? Uh, host the camp there. I mean, honestly. Yeah, but here, here's my thing. It wasn't the fact that these other schools couldn't do it. It was that they decided not to. You know, I mean, why? Why am I banning something? Uh, oh, I'm not doing it. Well, that's fine and dandy. Nobody says that you can't do it. We're saying you're allowed to do it. You know, uh, you, you just, because you've chosen not to is not a problem. I mean, if you're Nick Saban or your Gus Malzahn, you know, you don't have. We're not asking you to go to Michigan, but would it? You know, would you not deem it beneficial to maybe have one in Texas? You may, what, what, maybe what, have one out in California or Pennsylvania, one of the Ohio, one of these other states that that is you know rich and recruiting talent. You know, that that's that, that's the argument where you know. Now, Auburn, Alabama, you could have had satellite camps in Texas and really tried to make yourselves a staple in that state. Now you decided, no, everybody has to stay in their own state. I, I'm just, I'm not a huge fan of that. You know, I, I think, you know, try and get as many advantages as you can in recruiting. You know, I, I'm a firm believer in that. You know, I mean, you know, some of these schools, they get it, they can't do it. Well, you know, these schools are already behind anyways. You're all, you know, your, your schools like Boston College and Vanderbilt are going to be behind no matter whether you do the camps or not. So the satellite camps don't really affect them, you know, and it doesn't really affect Alabama and Auburn and Florida State and, and schools like that if they're the ones doing the satellite camps as well. Yeah, I, I do see your point. Uh, I, I do see it and respect your opinion and everything, but I think it, it sends a message to the Michigan SEC, like, you know, they hate the Big Ten now because the Big Ten's the one in the media all the time. Now Harbaugh's got a big mouth. He's running it. I think that was Saban's way of saying, hey, Jim, I still own college football. You sit back step in Michigan, right? That's really what the message was. If, if Nick Saban was all for it, this would all be going through right now. But Nick Saban didn't like it, and he got it shut down. Oh, I agree. I think if Saban had been for it, if the SEC had been for it, it, it there's no way this vote even happens. Uh, you know, I think we, we, we've come to see that in all reality. Uh, you know, the Big Ten's trying to, you know, make a stamp and say, you know, hey, you know, we, we're we making some noise. Pay attention to us. We're, we're college football power as well. And since he goes, Let, let's go ahead and show you who the true power is. Uh, you know, that's just kind of what happened. 
so I mean, I, I, I still, I think the whole thing is, it is what it is. Uh, you know, I'm, I don't, I don't think any of these schools really lose uh, anything by not being able to do it because, you know, we, we see it, and I see it in Florida all the time. You know, where kids commit to these northern schools, and you're sitting there going, "Why? You're a four-star talent." You know, why are you going to Colorado or why are you going to Wisconsin? Why not, you know, go somewhere closer to home where big schools are? So, that, you know, these northern schools already have their, you know, their foot in the door with some of the, the recruit, you know, the high schools in the south. So I don't I don't think the satellite camps are really going to get them. And they're still going to have shady practices. I mean, let, let's be honest, um, Devin Bush Jr., you know, was supposed to be a legacy recruit to Florida State. Everybody thought he was going to Florida State because his daddy played up there. Um, and he winds up uh, committing to Michigan, and everybody's doing the whole, well, wait a minute, how'd this happen? And then, of course, a week later, Devin Bush Sr. gets a job on the University of Michigan coaching staff. So, you know, it, 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 you know stuff like that's always going to happen. So these schools are always going to have their opportunities. So that's why Michigan has a foot in the door in New Jersey. They hired uh, the coach for uh, the powerhouse New Jersey high school. Uh, to be one of their heads of recruiting efforts. So, you know, it it's going to stop satellite camps, but it's not going to stop some of the shady, underhanded dealings. No, it's never going to stop that. That's, that's a part of the business is, that you can't stop. Um, unfortunately, some teams are, are always going to have a leg up on that. But, hey, Jason just sent me a message that, that said that Tim Duncan will not be playing tonight. Oh. Oh, so, that's, that's that's not good for San Antonio. But let's take a call right quick before we get out of here tonight from the five seven zero area code. If my studio will work right. You're on way in sports. Is this? Hey, sir, how you doing tonight? I'm good. <laughs> What's going on? Not much. Well, I'm from uh, Pennsylvania. Yeah. So well, I'm sorry. How you doing, buddy? I'm just joking with you. What's going on? Nah, nah, not much. So, what do you guys talk about? Because this is the first time I'm listening to you guys. And... We're talking well, about uh, satellite satellite camps that got banned. Do you have thoughts on that? Well, I talk about. I talk about. I could talk about. Baseball, football, hockey, basketball, wrestling, anything you guys could talk <laughs> I, about. I, could talk I, don't, I, don't, I don't care. I, don't, I, can, I can talk it all, too, but right now we're talking about a certain subject. So do you have anything you want to add to what we're talking about, or, or do you want to hear oh, yourself well, you talk? Tell me what you guys, you, you, you tell me what you guys are talking about, because I just called in. Okay. Okay, I'm going to uh, – I accidentally hung up on the guy instead of muting him. So call back in. Um, usually, usually people just don't call in the show. Um, but if you want to call back in, call in. We'll take your call. I didn't know if that was a prank call or not, Jonathan. Honestly, I didn't. I couldn't tell. Uh, I don't know, but it is what it is. Uh, you want me to call him back? If he wants to call back in, he can call back in. Yeah, I accidentally hit the wrong switch on him, but we were about to go anyway. Anything you want to cover before we go? Um, you know, hockey playoffs, I know you hate talking about it, Brian. It's like watching paint dry, according to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, hockey playoffs start April 13th. Uh, be excited. It, it's ought to be a fun one. In all reality, it won't be. Um, you, it, it seems like in the Eastern Conference, you really have two teams right now who are on a roll, and that's the Penguins and the Capitals. Um, and that looks, you know, their second round matchup looks like it's going to be the matchup for the uh, the Eastern Conference. Was the Western Conference a little wide open? Uh, obviously, the Hawks and the Kings and the Ducks are your proverbial favorites. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Um, you know, uh, just gotta say, last night, uh, you know, again, hats off to North Dakota, uh, hats off to the NCAA for putting on a heck of a show. Uh, you know, you had the student band sections uh, in the stadium, Amelie Arena, uh, with the third highest attendance. Uh, for a uh, championship game. You know, it, it really was, if you ever get a chance, you really want to go to a hockey game, try and go to a college one. The atmosphere is just absolutely phenomenal for them. 
Um, you know, we had a blast. North Dakota wound up winning the championship. You know, we were out with the team uh, having a good time afterwards celebrating, you know, and, and it really was just, just something special. So if you get a chance, go ahead and do that. And, you know, if not, hey, baseball's right here. And I'll tell you what, this baseball season, it already looks a little confusing, and I'm not having too much fun with it. <laughs> yeah, we'll learn more about baseball in the next few weeks once we get this first week out of our way. But just let you know, San Antonio is still a four-and-a-half-point favorite tonight. As of right now, the point spread hasn't moved but a half a point. So I think Tim Duncan's worth more than a half a point. And what that tells you, though, is San Antonio is not a one-player team, Jonathan. Right. I mean, at this point in, in Duncan's career, uh, you know, as much as uh, I've always been a fan of uh, the big fundamental, he's uh, he's not the whole team. And he's really just asked to contribute, you know, more along a 10-10 night, whereas Aldridge has been the one, you know, and that's why, you know, Duncan, you know, he when he recruited Aldridge, he said, look, you can have my shots. I just want to win. Uh, which you don't get very often from superstars in the NBA uh, of, of Duncan's caliber. So, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, between uh, Parker and Aldridge and, you know, Ginobili, Kawhi Leonard, you know, they're they're going to have enough firepower to keep up with them. And Kawhi defensively, um, obviously, you know, he's going to, you know, probably shade uh, Clay Thompson tonight, which is going to put a lot of load on Steph Curry. Steph Curry's going to have to have a big game. And you know he's been struggling a little bit lately. I can't. I don't know if it's just he's had a little bit of a slump, uh, which you know happens to the best of them from time to time, or what it is. But he's really going to have to put you know put up tonight if they want to break the record. Yeah. Well, guys, tune in. We'll try to do a show this week. I know I said that last weekend, but this week I'm trying to still get over this cold that I've, I've been battling. I had it last Sunday, as you remember, but it's starting to get a little deeper in my chest, so I'm going to try to cut it off tonight, just take some medicine, get some sleep tonight, and hopefully fight this thing. But Jonathan and Jason, thanks for joining me tonight, man, and uh, we'll see you this week, buddy. All right, Brian, I'll talk to you soon. All right.